0: Hello. Yes. I kind of got a Charlton Heston thing going on myself. That's awesome. <laughs> Welcome to those of you in person. Nice to see you. And those of you guys online, nice to see you as well. So yeah, uh, I just want to uh, reiterate some of that stuff Jen was talking about. We're, we're in the middle of an exciting few weeks here. I mean, last week we had Easter, and how many of you enjoyed being here in person? Yes, so to give you some context, you know, last year, the year that it was, 2020, uh, we couldn't meet in person, so we did Zoom, and I was I was saying to some folks before the service started, you know, the, the first time we did Zoom, it was cute, and it was kind of cool, and oh, yeah, oh, he's in his pajamas, oh, that's fun. The second time, I was over it. I was, I was done. And then by the third time, when we get to Easter, um, I don't even think I was a Christian at that service, because... I was sick of Zoom, still am sick of Zoom. So last week we had a couple great services in person. Next week we're going to do baptism. Um, so we were thinking about it, uh, the last time, we went to two services in October of 2019. Seems like so long ago. So next week is going to be the first time that we actually get to do two services for baptism, which is super, super cool. So, so that's next week. So what about Today? You're like, well, I'm I'm here today, Tyler. What, what do you have for us today? So today, with Easter last week, baptism next week, I thought what we would do is kind of get the party started a little bit early, and uh, I wanna I wanna answer this question: Why baptism? And I know, I mean, some of you right now, you're even thinking, why did I show up today? Can 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 I get on my phone right now? Will he notice? Because this is not the most exciting topic in the world. And I will tell you, yes, you can. I'm I'm probably not going to notice, but if you do. Uh, I think you're going to miss some pretty cool stuff, because this, I, I think it really is, a, it's a fascinating topic. We haven't really dived deep into it on a Sunday in a while, and I, what I want to do this morning is I just want to, like, just get us all on the same page, because I want to answer some of the basic questions, like, why do we do baptism? Uh, where did it come from? How do we do baptism? Is, is this still a thing to us today? What does a pickle have to do with baptism? Okay, good. You're all listening. Good, good. <laughs> good. Nobody went, what? Everybody was listening. We're, we're going to get to that, I promise. So what we're going to do today is, is I want to look at it from a couple different lenses, if you will. I want to look at it, uh, how it started in history. I want to look to see where, where the Bible um, you know, floats in with that. I want to look to what Jesus has to say, because the truth of it is, this is a big topic. I mean, next to, I, I would argue, next to salvation, this is one of the biggest pillars or topics in our faith. This is this is a big deal, and yet I think there's quite a bit of misinformation out there about it. Honestly, um, so let me give you an example. So I became a Christian in April of 1999, and that's a whole story in and of itself. But I, I remember so much about that. Um, clearly, the thing you have to know is I wasn't raised in the church, so. Um, I didn't know the the protocol, I didn't know the lingo, I didn't know the secret handshakes. Um, I mean, I still don't know, do we have secret handshakes? Am I just not cool enough to know the secret handshakes? Oh, that's awkward. I still don't know the secret handshakes, so um, yeah, so I just, I didn't, I didn't know any of it. And my parents, we, we weren't raised in the church, so I didn't, I didn't have that to, to fall back on, so I was, I was clueless. So I remember the day that I told my parents that uh, I became a Christian. I was 20 years old. And uh, by this time, I was in college, wasn't living at home. So um, I wanted to go over to their house and tell them. And so I remember this day so clearly. It was in April. It was warm out. I I parked outside their house. And what I did, this was so weird. This is really me anyway. uh, I went to them and I said, okay, I want to have a chat with you. And I sat them down at our kitchen table. That's weird. That's weird. That was really weird for me. Like, we ate at our kitchen table, but Tyler didn't have conversations at the kitchen table with his parents. Um, It's just weird. So I thought what I would do, like, I tell him, and I thought I'd get kind of a deer-in-the-headlight look, or like, hmm, that's nice, son. Uh, So imagine my surprise when I told him this experience that I had, this decision I made, and one of the first things my dad says, didn't grow up in church, one of the first things my dad says is, well, he was a cowboy. He says, well, you're going to get baptized? And I remember thinking, I don't know. <laughs> like, is 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 that a thing? Like, I, I, I really remember back then, I remember thinking, I, I don't think so. I'm not a Baptist. I mean, I don't know. Am I? I, I have no idea. I, I didn't have the, the idea for the longest time. So, long story short, I did end up getting baptized. It was in a very cold creek. And let me, let me tell you this. Even after, Leslie and I met shortly thereafter, and we got married, and uh, we, we went to Bible school together. We finished that. And even with that, some of the stuff that I'm going to share today, we didn't actually learn in Bible school. Some of the stuff that we learned came afterwards. So all that to say, I think that there's a fair amount of confusion Around this topic. Because what, what is the truth? Like some of the conversations Leslie and I've had over the years with folks is um, some of the folks, they, they don't come from a, a faith background and they, they're not part of a church and they're, they're not reading the Bible, but yet there's, there's a common denominator. When they have kids, a common question we get is uh, they, they have a baby and they say, Will you baptize our baby? And I totally get that because at the heart of that question is, is parents saying, I want my kids to be okay. And there's, there's so much of this cultural tone out there saying, okay, well, I just had a baby. So if, if I, if I baptize my baby or if you baptize my baby, um, that way they're going to go to heaven. And then that way they're going to be okay. At the heart of that question is loving parenthood. That's, that's what it is. It's loving parenthood. And, and I get that. And, depending on the the faith tradition that you were raised in, you may or may not have been taught that that's how it is. So, I mean, there's that. And I mean, don't even get me started on the different methods of baptism. I mean, you've got the the splashing and the spraying and the dunking, and you can do it in a tank. You can do it in a lake. You can do it in a pool. Um, Actually, have you seen how COVID has affected baptism? I'm going to show you a picture. This is not doctored in any way. I didn't have to doctor it. This is a real picture. This is a, quote, baptism that happened in July of 2020 from a priest baptizing a baby. And you know what? If I could just put a picture on 2020, that's it. That represents 2020 in my head. So what is true then? I mean, is, is, there, a, is there a right way to do baptism? And and furthermore, where did this whole idea come from? Do I need to get baptized in order to go to heaven? Some of those big questions. Well, I think to answer all of those questions, it's going to be helpful for us to go back to the beginning and see where in history this started. Uh, and I want to see what Jesus had to say about the topic. I want to see what that means for us today. Um, but this is what I want to do is I, I want to get us all on the same page. And what I want to do is, I'm not going to make any assumptions about where anybody is in their faith journey. So, whether you've been at church 20 seconds or 20 years, I'm just going to get us all on the same page. Some of this might be review, it probably is, but just hang in there. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. So, first thing I want to do is, is, I want to talk about this book called the Bible. And what the Bible is, is it's not a book. We think of it as a book because it looks like a book, but technically, it's not a book. So this is what I want to show you. We got our cute little bookshelf there. Bookshelf's empty. So let's just, let's just put a Bible on the bookshelf. That's cute. So there's the, there's the Bible on the bookshelf. So what the Bible is, it's not a book. The Bible is a collection of 66 books. And actually, most some of those books, especially in the New Testament, are letters to different churches. So it actually looks like this. So within the Bible, you have 66 books. 39 of those are in the Old Testament. And 27 of those are in the New Testament. And what that means, the Old Testament is everything that happened before Jesus. So the Old Testament means the Old Covenant, the Old Promise. So there's 39 books in the Old Testament. The New Testament is everything that happened when Jesus came on the scene and afterwards. So that's the New Testament, the New Covenant that Jesus provided. So today what we're going to do, just to kind of give us a little orientation, is we're going to spend our time in the New Testament. And actually, if you really want to zero in, we're going to spend our time in the four Gospels. So the four Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what those are is those are eyewitness accounts of Jesus' time on earth written by four different people. It's amazing that if you've never, written, if you've never read those, how much those stories and books line up because they're written by four different people. So we're going to spend our time in, in the four Gospels this morning. So uh, regarding the question, why do we baptize? Here's a, here's, a good little, here's a good little church hack for you. When anytime anybody's giving a sermon and somebody says, why do we do this? If you answer, because Jesus told us so, your chances are pretty good you're going to get the right answer most of the time. So why do we baptize? So. You guys are so smart. You guys are really good because Jesus told us so. So uh, one of the last things Jesus told us to do before he left the earth was he says, therefore go. And make disciples. Disciples means learner. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, what I want to do this morning is I want to I want to zero in on that word baptizing. Now, the New Testament when we look at when we look at those uh, twenty seven letters and books that are in the New Testament, um, those were not originally written in English. I know, shocker, right? Uh, the New Testament was originally written in Greek, and then it was translated to different languages. One of the ones that we find appealing is English. So what we're going to be talking about is how it was translated from Greek to English. Now, here's what we didn't know until later. What we didn't know, when I say we, it's Leslie and I, uh, what we didn't know until later is the way that it was translated from Greek to English. So, um, originally what what was commonly the most common way was that what the scholars would do is they would take Greek words and they would translate these words from Greek to English. So they would take a Greek word and they would find a similar word in English. Everybody still with me? Okay. So they would take a word like, let's take for example, the Greek word theos, and they would find the English word meaning God. And so that's just a, a clean straight across translation. Uh, the problem was, was that when they would have a Greek word that there was not an English translation for. One of the words in that case was the Greek word for baptize, and it looks like this. So don't let this scare you. We're going to get super familiar with this. So the way you say that word, that's the Greek word. The way you say that is baptizo. Everybody say baptizo. Baptizo. And let's say it again. Baptizo. Baptizo. All right. Now we're speaking Greek. That's really good. Hey, that's all Greek to us, right? <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't, <laughs> that was free. So, uh, so here's the problem. There wasn't an English word to translate this to. So normally what the scholars would do is they would translate it. In this case, and in a few other cases, what they would do is they would have a process called not translating, but transliteration. Everybody say transliteration. trans-literation. Very good. So what transliteration is, is you take basically a letter from a from the Greek and you find the same letter in the language that you're transliterating it to. So in this example, they're taking beta in Greek and they match it up to B in English. Or alpha in Greek and they match it up to A. Pi in Greek, and they match it up to p, so out of that out of this Greek word, we get the English word baptizo, which is where we get the word baptism, so they didn 't translate that they transliterated. It. Does that make sense? I know this is this is kind of dorky, but hang in there with me um, so that 's great i mean this is this is well and good, and you can impress three people at the next party you go to um, but it 's the problem is is when you get down the rabbit hole and you look at this word in history. Because if I say, let me give you an example. If I say the word baptism to you, if I just say the word baptism, what happens in your brain? Do you, do you think of things like that have a faith or maybe a religious tone in them? You think, okay, baptism. That, that's a churchy thing, right? It wasn't always that way. It wasn't always that way. Uh, the word baptizo especially in the first century, was a super common word. It didn't have faith connotations to it. It didn't have religious connotations to it. What it meant, the word baptizo actually meant originally to wash, to plunge, to soak, to dip. That's what it actually meant. And it's, it's super fascinating when you look at this, because there's actually records of literature from, from the first century that talk about people drowning, and they use the word baptizo. And they talk about ships that went down, and they use the word baptizo. And so this word meant to, to wash, to, to plunge. One of the most famous examples um, in these little you know, scholar circles that are kind of fun to read on the internet, there was a, a philosopher in 200 BC, and the philosopher's name was Kandor. And somehow, Kandor wrote a recipe for making pickles. Here's your pickle part. Uh, and the recipe, twice use the word baptizo. The recipe says you would, you would take the vegetable and you would baptizo it in vinegar, and the recipe had it in there twice. He wasn't, he wasn't baptizing pickles. He was submerging. He was plunging. He was dipping the pickles, or the vegetable, to make pickles. So it was it was a super common word. Okay, can I confuse it even more? All right. Here's where it gets really, really confusing. Sometimes... The, the Greek translators, sometimes they translate it in our Bible. Sometimes the word is translated into wash and sometimes it's transliterated into baptize. This should be confusing at this point. Sometimes it's translated wash. Sometimes it's transliterated into baptize. So let me show you a couple examples from the New Testament. So in Mark, the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and some of his disciples eating food with, with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless, their hands, unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding the tradition of the elders. Verse four, when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash, baptizo. So what's Mark saying here? He's saying that they don't eat unless they're baptized? Baptized? No. He's saying they don't eat unless they submerge, unless they plunge their hands. That's what he's saying. But it's that, origi- it's that same word, baptizo. So here's another example. In Luke, when Jesus had finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. So he went in and reclined at the table. But the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first baptizo before the meal. So, What's Luke saying here? Jesus was, the, the Pharisee was surprised that Jesus didn't get baptized before the meal? No. He was surprised that Jesus didn't submerge, dip, plunge his hands before the meal. So all this to say that in our Bibles, sometimes the word is translated wash, and sometimes it's transliterated to baptize. So here's my question. How did this super common word, baptizo, how did this take on the meaning that it has today? How did this common word, baptizo, get attached to faith and to religious tones? Well, uh, what I mentioned at the beginning was the Bible is comprised of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Everybody still with me? Good. So between, what I didn't tell you is that between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was a little bit of an intermission I call in my theater world. About 400 years between the last book of Malachi in the Old Testament and the first book of Matthew in the New Testament. So during these 400 years, nothing was written. And it's largely believed that during these 400 years, Judaism was taking off. And what happened was you have Gentiles, so non-Jewish people, for the most part, you and I. And what they wanted is they said, okay, I'm I'm interested in this. I no longer want to be a a Gentile. I want to be a Jewish person. How do I do that? And so in those 400 years, there was a process that started. And I'm, I'm talking huge overview right now, but that's okay. There was a process that started. And there was a little system. And I just want to give you a, a super high overview of what they had to go through, what a Gentile person had to go through in order to become Jewish. Number one, had to have a little procedure done. Circumcision. So circumcision is the process in which we—never mind. You thought I was going to go there, didn't you? No, no. That's, that's all we're going to say. So circumcision had to happen, number one. So after that, there's going to be so many questions. What? what Dad, what's he talking about? Not answering that. Uh, number two, uh, you had to participate in a covenant meal. And so this is a meal that you had to observe Passover, that sort of thing. And like I said, I'm just going through these pretty quick. The third one is you had to acknowledge the Old Testament law, meaning the the Old Testament as we know it, the the law of Moses. So that means you had to start reading it, you had to start um, reciting it, you had to start memorizing it, but most importantly, you had to start living by it. You had to start acknowledging the Old Testament law. Uh, The fourth thing you had to do is you had to make a sacrifice, and that, that varied from time period to time period. The fifth thing, though, for our discussion today, you had to participate in a ceremonial washing. Now, this isn't like baptism that we know today. Um, this was something that you did by yourself. This was a, a very private thing, and it was, it was symbolic. It was, it was symbolic of you cleansing your old ways, your old pattern, your old sin. And as you washed, you would become new. And you would be identifying with Judaism, with the God of the Jews. And again, this is something you did by yourself. So now here's something that's interesting the term that they would associate with this ceremonial washing was baptizo. But they would put an adjective in front of baptizo to signify that it was a ceremonial washing. So that if you were a Gentile person and you said, okay, I, I want to become Jewish, you, didn't, you knew that you didn't have to go wash your, your pans and your plates. It was a ceremonial washing. And this was the first time that baptizo started to get attached to faith. It was a ceremonial washing and so, uh, with all of this serving as context, so that's, that's just a lot of background, and I really appreciate that you're not sleeping on me right now. It, it really helps my self-confidence. Uh, with all of this serving as context, it helps us what we see in the Bible. Because in about 30 AD, we see this strange dude come on the scene, and I'm going to give you a hint who this is. The Bible describes him as wearing clothes made of camel's hair. Any guesses? Yes. That's very good. So for those of you guys that didn't hear that, we're, we're just going to call him John for right now. Okay? So let's read about this fella in Matthew chapter 3. In those, J, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And now here's how the Bible describes him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he had a leather belt around his waist. I'm surprised that hasn't come back yet. Yeah, uh, His food was locusts and wild honey. That's probably come back yet. Uh, people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Now, I want to show you something because we're about to see something in the Bible that, has, that had never happened before in human history. This is the first time it's ever been recorded. Verse 6. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So now, let's, let's put this in perspective. Let's just kind of step back for a second. So, this guy shows up on the Jordan River. The Jordan River at that time, it was a public place. What I did is, is I googled what the Jordan River looks like today. So, this photo is from July 2020. So, the Jordan River, I mean, think of it like Spring Meadow or Canyon Ferry. This is like in July or August, not right now. Uh, this is, it's a public place. So you can bet that children were down there playing. People in that time were probably doing their laundry. I mean, everybody was down there. This is a super public place. And this guy comes from Judea, walks down to the Jordan River, and he brings this simple message. And he says this. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So John is saying, repent, meaning 180. Turn the other way. Stop what you're doing. Go this way. Repent. Repent. The kingdom of heaven has come near. But then he did the weirdest thing. He did something that nobody had seen before yet. He went into the Jordan River and people would line up and he would do some sort of ceremonial washing. He was baptizoing people. But the Jewish people knew that, wait a second, this, this, is the, this is the ceremonial washing that Gentiles have to go through. They knew what he was doing except John was now doing it in front of people. It was no longer in a tiny room by yourself. He was lining up these people, these people that said, hey, I believe in the message. The kingdom of heaven is coming near. I want to associate with that. And John says, okay. And he, what he's doing is he's baptizing people in a public place. Well, As if this wasn't enough, another person comes on the scene. And we're gonna look in Matthew, but I love what John's gospel, not John the Baptist, John's gospel says, because in John's gospel, John the Baptist looks at Jesus and I love what he says. He says, Behold! Like, there's a word. If I said, Behold! Everybody looks behind you. But he says, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like, you have to understand, At this point in Jesus' ministry, he just started. Like, this is at at the beginning of his ministry. So a lot of, if you did know him, it was Jesus of Nazareth. It wasn't the Lamb of God, and it sure wasn't the God who was going to take away the sin of the world. But John says, behold, there he is, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So Jesus is walking through, and we're going to pick it up in Matthew. At that time, Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John, I think most of us would do this, John tried to prevent him saying, hey, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? And Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness in this way. Then John permitted him. I love this part. This is super cool. Check this out. As soon as Jesus was baptized, Jesus went up out of the water. Suddenly the heavens were opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and resting on him, and a voice from heaven said, "This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Is that a cool moment in scripture, or what? So this is just a little side note here because this is so cool. I have to tell you about this that for the the spirit of God for it to be pictured as a dove it 's probably not that big of a deal to us because it 's Bible language, and, and we don 't you know fully understand. But when Matthew was writing this, and the other gospel writers, when they were writing this, it was really rare to refer to God as a dove. There was only one other place that the Spirit of God was likened to a dove and that was in the original Hebrew scripture. So what we know is the Old Testament. Matthew and the other gospel writers, I believe they were making a call out back to the beginning because in Genesis 1-2, in the original Hebrew, it basically says, and the earth was without form and empty and darkness was on the face of the deep. This is when God is creating the world. And the Spirit of God And the Spirit of God fluttered above the face of the waters like a dove. It's the only other time that the Spirit of God was mentioned. And so, I believe that this was a call-out. Because I believe that the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they were saying, hey, remember in the beginning of the world that the triune God was there. God the Father was there in the voice. Jesus was there in the word. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the earth like a dove. The triune God created the world. The only other time that is mentioned is in Jesus' baptism. As if to say, creating the world took the triune God, and you know what? Rescuing the world, at the beginning of rescue and redemption for the world, the triune God was present again. God the Father was there in the voice. Jesus was obviously there, and the Spirit of God was descended upon him like a dove. Isn't that cool? I just think that's a super cool call out that it's, it's one of those little details that, that we, we might miss in, in the gospel. So back to the story. So what Jesus was doing is he was identifying and agreeing with, with John's message that the kingdom of heaven is near. And what happened after that is, is Jesus' disciples, they began baptizoing people. And uh, this was, it, was, it was public evidence of, of what was happening. And What I love about that whole scene is that all these people were on the Jordan River and they didn't say, okay, I agree with that. I'm going to go home and just agree with that. They said, no, I'm going to agree with that. And John says, okay, we're going to do it right here in the front of everybody. So that's how baptism got launched. John the Baptist was the first baptizer. So John the Baptist, I can't, I I don't know who said it, but that's right. John the Baptist is John the washer. That's what his name means. John the Dipper, John the Plunger, John the Washer. That's what that means. Uh, He was the first baptizer and it took off from there. So then, what does that mean for us today? Just a a couple quick statements to to wrap us up here. What baptism is, at its core then, is it's a public declaration of a personal decision. That's what baptism is. It's a public declaration. Declaration of a personal decision. What we see in the story with those folks at the Jordan River, and then there's there's other stories in the New Testament of people being baptized. What we see is that these people understand the significance of what's going on in their faith journey. They understand what's going on. They understand the decision they made, and then they decide that they want to be baptized. See, that's why we don't baptize infants. And we don't baptize children who are too young to realize what's going on. Because what we see in the New Testament, what we see that Jesus taught us is it's a public declaration of a personal decision. Everybody that got baptized in the New Testament knew what was going on. They knew the decision they were making. And it was a public declaration saying, I want to associate myself with that message. I am part of that message. I am part of what you're doing. And I'm in. It was a public declaration of a personal decision so then number 2 then is baptism is not a condition of salvation let me say that again baptism is not a condition of salvation but i believe it's evidence of salvation baptism is not a condition of salvation it's evidence so what we see again what we see in the bible is it's it's and let me let me break this down baptism is not a condition of whether or not you go to heaven it's just not and If you want to see a really clear example of this, think about, we often tell this story on Easter, but think about the story of when Jesus was crucified. You remember the two other fellas that were baptized with him? There were two other criminals on either side of him, the Bible says, that were crucified with him. Now, if you remember with with crucifixion, that was one of the most painful and really one of the most humiliating ways to die. I mean, they they didn't do this often. This was reserved for the worst of the worst. So, the religious leaders in that day, when you have this guy come on the scene that was the carpenter's son, and he's basically threatening in their minds, he's threatening to overthrow their whole way of life, their whole government. And then they basically said, okay, Jesus must die. And they said, well, if you're, if you're promising, or if you're basically saying that you can do all this stuff, we're going to crucify you. So as Jesus is being crucified, they have these other two criminals alongside of him. Now, here's what's interesting. As they're being, as the three of them are being crucified, One of the criminals starts hurling all these insults at Jesus. The guy was just plain rude. I mean, let's just call it what it is. He just starts hurling all these insults at Jesus. The other criminal doesn't. This is what the other criminal says. But the other criminal rebuked him, the criminal. And he says, don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says this, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a really clear picture that whenever anybody asks, well, do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? I always point to this picture because that criminal was not baptized. There is no record in the Bible anywhere of that criminal being baptized. He says, Jesus, uh, remember me. That's all he said. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. There is so much faith in that statement alone. Jesus, recognizing he is the son of God. Remember me when you come into your kingdom and Jesus says, you got it. Today, you will be with me in paradise. He wasn't baptized and yet he was with him in paradise. That's what the Bible says. That's because baptism, what it is, it's a public declaration of a personal decision and it's not a condition of salvation. So then, let me tell you what we're in store for next week. Um, next week, we're going to celebrate with some folks. That's what we're going to do because, like I say, we haven't, we haven't done this in a year. We might have to remember how to do this. Um, we're, we're looking super forward to it. If you've never been part of one of our baptism services, let me tell you what we do. We, uh, we come up and we have, you know, worship is normal in the beginning, but then it's going to look a little different because we're going to have a tank right here front and center, right here in the stage at the front of our service. And what we do is we we have folks come up, we we line them up, and we go through them one by one. And you guys, let me just tell you, this is a big, big, I'm sure you guys know this, but this is a big, big moment in these folks' lives. And I I mean, I know it was big in my life, but we we give them, it's one by one, and and we pray with them, and and we we dunk them in the tank, and I'm not going to promise the temperature of the water is going to be warm. I mean, Jason does a great job at that, but sometimes... It's warm. Sometimes it's not. So uh, we dunked the folks. It's a great time. So what I would ask is if um, if you know somebody that's being baptized, if if you're a friend or a family member, come up, come up with them. I mean, it's going to be a very participa- participatory service anyway. Um, we're going to obviously we're going to stream it online. But if, if you know one of the folks, come up because we would love to have you pray with them. We'd love to have you just be part of the service with these folks because at the core, of what it is, it's a celebration. And so we are, we are super excited to do that. Um, if you have any questions about that, uh, Jason or, or one of us would, would love to answer those questions on baptism. We are going to do another one. Uh, like Jen said, we try to do a few of them throughout the year. So the next one, if you haven't gotten in on this one, the next one, we're going to do it out at Canyon Ferry Lake. Just like I was saying, the Jordan River, right? We do it in the summer, we do it at Canyon Ferry Lake. It's a great time. We always do like a potluck. So it's, it's going to be a great time. So next week, I would encourage you. Join us. Join us. Uh, if you if you want to join us online, that's okay. But man, baptism is so fun to be here. It's so fun to be here. I, I really encourage you guys to to join us. So let me pray with us, and then uh, we'll, we'll close our service. Lord, thank you so much, God, for Mount Helena Community Church. Father, thank you that um, the church was your idea. Father, the church is a family. It's a group of people, God, and it, it was your idea, Father. And I I just thank you for these folks, Lord. I I thank you that we get to celebrate next week, Father. I thank you that we get to have a baptism service just as as you showed us the way, Father, in the New Testament, Lord. And I I just pray a blessing on these folks as as we go, Lord. I pray that we we would be a light this week, God, to our community, Lord. We would be a source of hope to our community this week, Father. And I just pray that above all else, God, that we would be a blessing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.